Hi, welcome back to the next episode of Not A Girl Boss. I'm McKenna. And I'm Peyton. And we first off would just like to say thank you so much for everybody who listened to our first episode last week. And to those of you who have reached out, we just want to say an extra thank you. Um, those words of encouragement really mean a lot to us and we are truly really excited to keep going with this and see where it leads. Um, I think yeah. we're admittedly a little nervous. Second episode seems harder than the first. Yeah, but there's a little bit of pressure because we actually know that there's people out there. We're not just speaking into the ether. Yeah. So, you know, it's just us in our living room, but then it'll be, you know, some people listening. So, yeah. Bear with us, like we said last time, as we continue to figure this all out. But let's get into this week's episode. So, we're going to try out a new segment this week uh we're obviously not a girl boss podcast so we thought it would be fun to talk about our hashtag girl boss moment of the week but then our hashtag not a girl boss moment of the week yes because there's definitely both (laughs) yes um many many of the not a girl boss moments not so many of the girl boss moments but we thought it would be fun to kind of share the the highs and the lows if you will um so Peyton do you want to start off with should we start with good or bad um I think we should start off on a positive okay yeah 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 Yeah, positivity is key so (laughs) yeah um (laughs) I guess my uh, girl boss moment of the week was me finessing my earth science test. Yes. And getting a good grade on it because I'm not a science girl. I wish I was a woman in STEM. I cannot be a woman in STEM. I'm a woman in woman and gender studies. Humanities. We are women of humanities and social sciences. Yes. Not STEM. Of, of reading and writing. Um, and so, granted it was online, so it is a bit easier than taking it in person. Um, but I'm just literally, I always get so stressed out about those tests. And somehow uh, the universe allowed me to do well. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that that's over uh, because it's so stressful. Yeah, I took that same earth science test and will agree that it is definitely stressful, but glad it's over. Yes. Um, let's see. I think my hashtag girl boss moment of the week would be finally submitting my thesis proposal. I have to have a thesis as a senior and that has been very stressful. So I'm very happy to have at least the proposal submitted. So now I can take a step back and relax and try to figure things out but at least the proposal is done because there's a lot more stress to come and there will be many not a girl boss moments associated with that (laughs) but the girl boss moment for my week was finally turning that in because that had been a giant weight on my shoulders for way too long yeah that's a that's a really big thing yeah yeah we'll see how that goes Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'll keep you guys posted yeah (laughs) okay and now for our not a girl boss moments of the week Oh God, um, I just, oh, I feel like I've had a pretty decent week. This week we got back from being on spring break, so I think it was just trying to get back into a routine, get back into the swing of things of being back in our apartment, because we went home, and then, um, yeah, just trying to get, like, life readjusted again um 
but I realized that in one of my classes, um, I admittedly told everyone in my class that I used to be uh, a diehard directioner. Oh. <laughs> and, and on, you know what? I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed to tell people that. But I thought I was like, I don't know why. I was like, yeah, I'm going to speak up in this moment. This is context for my remix culture class. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about fam- fandomhood. So there was a purpose as to why I yeah. said this. I wasn't just going around proclaiming it. Um, but I thought it would be... No one really talks in that class. And so I decided to, like speak up and like share and it was one of those moments where i thought it'd be like funny and other people would be like haha yeah like so was i yeah and it was just like crickets oh no and i was like okay me like sitting there talking about you know my days of being a directioner and like it experiencing that fandom on like tumblr and like twitter and how like toxic it was and me thinking there'd be other people in the class who were like yeah i remember those days and i was like no no one uh okay did you share anything about your taylor swift fandom no no because i was yeah i don't know i don't know why i felt like the one direction would maybe garner a better reaction Mm. Yeah, you should have gone with the Taylor Swift fan page. That would have gone oh. over a lot better, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, I technically had a One Direction fan page, too. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, it my God. I only knew about the Taylor Swift one. Yeah, I had a One Direction one. It was with my, like, friend from, like, elementary school, middle school. It was, like, called... One Direction Obsession Infection. I do remember this. I do remember this. It was brilliant. I saw it last year. And 10 out of 10. Would recommend. Yeah, I think it's still on Instagram. And my other fan pages are... I had multiple fan pages. I I was a girl boss. I really was like... I was like in charge of all these different social media accounts. At like 10. Meanwhile, I was not allowed to have Instagram <laughs> at all. I mean, I don't know if my mom knew I was like, she knew I had Instagram. She let me have Instagram, but I don't think she knew that I was single-handedly running all these accounts. She did know about my Taylor Swift one, hmm. but I had, I had a One Direction one. <laughs> but anyways, oh no one really seemed to relate. I was like, okay, yeah. um, that, that, that was... My, like, embarrassing moment. I got you. I feel. I think... Hmm. Okay. So, I think my not-a-girl-boss moment... The first one that came to mind, actually, is something that happened, like, an hour ago. And so, I left the apartment because I needed to go to a meeting. And it was raining. So, I was like, oh, my God. Okay, fine. I need to go get an umbrella. I come back inside. I look for the umbrella. I can't find it. I realize that it's in my car. I go back outside, get the umbrella. I get on the bus... And then I go to use my umbrella when it's time to go. And I realize that it is broken. Um, The umbrella does not work. It opens, but one of the pieces of it that would keep it up is 
broken, so the whole thing yeah. just kind of collapses in on itself. And I, as Peyton knows, don't necessarily dress for the weather, so my jacket didn't have mm. a hood. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I got rained on right before I was about to go into a meeting with a whole bunch of people. Oh. Luckily, it wasn't raining that hard, so you know, crisis averted. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. Um, I was like, oh, my hair, and I never wear waterproof mascara, so I was just worried that I was oh. going to walk in and have the little dots of mascara all over my eyelids. Mm -hmm. Luckily, that wasn't the case. So I lucked out, but it did feel like a bit of a nod girl boss moment because I went through all the trouble to find the umbrella only for it to not work. Yeah. Um, also applicable is just earth science in the same way that the test felt like a girl boss moment. Lectures, not so much. I never know yes. what's happening in that class. And once again, there's a reason that we unfortunately are not women in STEM. Yes. <laughs> that is not our forte. Uh, yeah. That is not the path that we have chosen, but you know, we have to, we have to do it. Um, so yeah, those are just a couple moments. I'm sure that if we were to sit here longer, we could think of many more yeah. not a girl boss moments from this week, but always remember, make sure your umbrella works before you go out in the rain. Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Oh, uh, duh. How are we forgetting the biggest not a girl boss moment of the week? Midterms. Midterms have been the bane of my existence. I've generally been pretty lucky with not having a ton of them be due all at the same time, and but I, I do know that, you know, adjusting to coming back from spring break and having to do a lot of work over spring break, because I had a lot mm -hmm. of assignments due this week, and then I have some midterms next week, so it's definitely been a stressful return to campus, Yeah. and in coming back, um, yeah, it's definitely been, been a lot, you know, mm -hmm. you go from zero to a hundred and mm -hmm. it just it really does it hits you like a ton of bricks and yeah like, okay I really have to be back in the school mindset now when you really don't want to be because so many of your friends are still on spring break and so I'm yeah jealous yeah I honestly just wish all of our midterms were in a singular week personally because I feel like my midterms have been spread out over the past like four weeks yeah and I'm like how has everyone decided that like each different week is midterms for them. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. People are not on the same schedule. So in a way, it's like, maybe it's nice that I don't have all of my work like in the same week, but I always have at least one, maybe two massive assignments due each week. Yeah. And so it's just never ending. Yeah. It's really great. So much fun. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I go back and forth between, like you said, wanting them to be all in one week where I could just get it over with. You know, you die for one week and then you finally get a break. Whereas this, it's like there's always something in the back of your mind. Anytime you yeah. want to relax, you know, just listen to a podcast, watch a YouTube video, watch a movie, you know, just take your mind off of things. There's always that next assignment looming around yeah. this time. There's never a week where you just feel like, okay, this is a normal week mm -hmm. of just going to class, submitting normal assignments. There's always just like one big thing that kind of, mm -hmm. at least for me, maybe other people don't have this um, constant voice in the back of their head telling them that <laughs> no, I have it. they need to, yeah. okay, all right, so we have it. Hopefully, maybe it's just us. I don't really know. I doubt that, honestly. It definitely is always in the back of my head, like, you have things that you could be doing right now. So... Which actually reminds me of Miss Kim Kardashian. Ooh. Who, 
Yes. Um, a while back, I don't remember. Do you remember where who she was speaking to? Yeah, she was on. She was doing her cover for Variety magazine, right? With I think so. I think it was Variety family, at least with like Courtney, Chloe, and Chris. Yeah. Yeah, they were on the cover of Variety. For, like, women in business or something like that. I don't remember, like, exactly what, like, the issue was. Yeah, I don't remember the specifics. Um, yeah, they did a shoot for it. And um, they, like, did some sort of, like, online interview thing. And um, she was, like, asked if she had any advice for, um, like working women yeah women in business that sort of thing yeah and her advice was to get your fucking ass up and work it seems like nobody wants to work these days and then with courtney in the back being like that's so true (laughs) was that good that was that was a nice impression i i support it thanks um and so with that you know I just feel like there's a lot to unpack with that statement. Uh, honestly, first impression hearing that made me just so angry. <laughs> it really it really made my blood boil hearing that. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the Kardashians to begin with, and it's nothing against them as people. They seem like nice people. But I just don't really, like, agree with some of the other things that they've done in the past. Um, But this specifically just really was, like, the cherry on top. Because I just, I have always, one of my issues with them is that I've always kind of felt like they're not super aware of their privilege and, like their standing in society I guess and then they well Kim said this and it really just solidified that for me yeah I think that there's a lot of I don't know I just feel like this quote in particular like you said really highlights how ignorant they are Mm. like again I don't really have a personal opinion about Kim Kardashian I don't really care (laughs) Um, But I feel like when people say things like this, and not just Kim, because she's not the only one who said Mm -mm. stuff like this. You know, we've seen it um, in politics throughout history, this whole idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and getting things done, and you need to work hard in order to achieve the American dream. Like, anybody, as long as they put in the work, can get there. And I think something that, you know, we've discussed a lot in our classes and just with our peers is like, okay, this is an idea, this is a mentality that was, that's not realistic, Mm-mm. you know? It's not realistic for many people of color, it's not realistic for women, it's not realistic for marginalized communities as a whole because the systems that are in place are not built to let those people, people like us, succeed. Or yeah. they don't, if anything, they don't make it easier. There are a lot of barriers to that level of success. And so it's really hard to just listen to somebody who's almost a billionaire, you know, just ridiculously wealthy to just say, get your fucking ass up and work. Yeah. 
And yeah, I mean, it feels like a slap in the face. It almost. is because yeah, she is. Her and her family were born into wealth. Her father is Robert Kardashian, and then their stepfather is Caitlyn Jenner, an Olympian. You know, so like this family is incredibly rich and famous, and. You know, while they do have successful businesses, and I'm not knocking them for being, you know, entrepreneurs. No, not like, at all. I mean, be an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's great. But Build a business. Yeah, but like you have to acknowledge the fact that you were born already like five steps up on the ladder, and then the rest of people were are already at the bottom yeah you know so you already have a leg up and i don't really think that she is aware of that it also concerns me because she's working to become a lawyer and i'm like shouldn't she have a bit of an understanding about these systems and institutions set in place if she wants to work in law. But. Yeah. I mean, I just think that even if you think about, you know, people who get up and go to work every day, that looks different for every person. Are you getting up and going to work a minimum wage job? Are you getting mm-hmm. up and doing a salaried thing? Are you a freelancer? Are you, um, you know, anything like that? Like, everybody's yeah. idea of getting up and working looks very different. Yeah. And so for her to just be like, all you have to do is get up and work. Like, okay, if I get up and go to work, I've, you know, I was a waitress, I've worked in retail. Like, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go work and I'm going to maybe get, you know, yeah, maybe I have a bad tip day. All right, well, I got up and work. Like, I did my work. Okay, well, I'm not anywhere near being Kim Kardashian. Yeah. No, yeah, I think it's important to think about that some of the hardest workers, particularly in this country are people that are working hard labor jobs or minimum wage jobs. Like, we've both worked in restaurants before. You've worked in retail before. And so a lot of those people, you know, they're on their feet all day and they're working with uh, customers all of the time and they're having to do the tasks that, like, most people don't really want to do and they're working really long shifts a lot of times not in the greatest working conditions and yet they're getting paid minimum wage they're not getting paid that much money uh like you're a waitress so if you you know have a bad working day yeah you know and or just someone stiffs you because they're just a jerk yeah (laughs) you know then like you're bills your rent your income you know solely relies on that and those people do work really hard but they may not be reaping the full benefits of it because that's really the only job that they're able to get only jobs that they have access to and it doesn't really pay them well but that's all they have but they do work really hard i feel like those people work so much harder than i could ever imagine Yeah, and I feel like also it kind of neglects the idea that, like, just the concept of time and how much time people have. You know, if you're going to work every day and you might have, like, a dream or a side hustle that you really want to pursue, but you have a family and you have a full-time job and it can be really hard to, you know, see how it's even possible to afford 
pursuing your dream or your startup or you know yeah. the business that you have in mind so yeah you know life really life gets in the way sometimes yeah and so it's really not as easy it's not it can't be summed up into the quote that she presented because yeah. like she has a family but she's able to have all of these different businesses running at the same time you know because she has people like helping her yeah with her kids and a lot of people and mothers in particular they're not able to do that no you're in a constant double bind of being told you know you need to stay home and take care of your children but you also need to go to work and mm -hmm. then you know you just want to be a person with the social life and it i can't even imagine how mothers today are navigating that that is mm -hmm. something that i cannot wrap my head around and yeah, i think that either. they deserve so much credit um and yeah. you just think about how hard it would be to not have a support system. Like, I know I was really lucky. I grew up around my grandparents for most of my life. So, you know, they were able to help. And I would go there for, like, daycare and stuff like that. But that's, you know, that was a thing that I was, you know, lucky enough to have. And that's not the case for some people, you know. Some people, yeah. I had friends who, you know, would stay in aftercare, you know, till 6 o'clock, you know, when their parents could come get them. And that's just the way that it was. And, you know you really have to take into account how different everybody's situation is. Yeah. Um, and so it was definitely really frustrating, especially because, you know, Kim is always in the news, but has been especially in the news in this past month or so um, with her divorce from Kanye West. And so you want to support women going through, you know, harassment and things like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that those two things are not mutually exclusive. I think that we can be supportive of Kim Kardashian going through this this period of harassment and recognize yeah. that, you know, what was happening was harassment, but then also in the same at the same time, you know, critique her when she makes statements like this because mm -hmm. it's not fair and it's not yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't consider this good advice at all. Mm -hmm. And I think like it is very representative of a lot of the things that we kind of think of when we think of girl boss culture and hustle culture in particular. Yeah. Um, obviously, we can only speak about this through the lens of being a student. Mm -hmm. um, although, actually, I think I could speak on it a little bit when it came to working um, and just feeling like back when I worked retail, I was an hourly worker and I would definitely kind of feel pressured to take on more shifts or I would put that pressure on myself to take on more shifts because you know, if this, this is my only opportunity to work, I need to work as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And so I would definitely that person that the manager would go to and say like, oh, can you stay for longer? And I wouldn't want to disappoint. And you know, sometimes I was able to put my foot down and say, no, I have to leave. But other times it was pretty easy to coax me into staying because I felt like I had to. And it's really weird to feel like you owe a business something. I did not owe that company yeah. anything. But it was like a weird personal connection with like my manager and like I didn't feel like, not a, not a personal connection, I just felt like I, when they asked, I didn't feel like I was in a position to say no because mm. I did want hours and I did want to be on the schedule. So if they're offering me more, how can I say no because I do want to make money. I did need, like I've, I wanted to make money. Um, yeah. This is definitely a weird thing. Yeah, which is interesting because like, Technically, when you're working as a waitress, you know, your restaurant isn't really paying you. It's it's the customers that are paying you. So 
in a sense, like, you don't really owe anything to the restaurant. No, if you're doing your job well as a waitress, at least in my experience, your paycheck should say zero dollars. And I, yeah. I kid you not, I would receive my paycheck, I'd open it just for kicks, and it would say zero dollars and zero cents. Yeah. It was purely, you know, being a waitress, at least where I'm, where I'm from, the way that it works in my state is that it pays your taxes. Yeah. That is what your paycheck is there for. It is, you know, a minimum wage. It's below minimum wage. It's like a $4 an hour sort of thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, and also being a waitress, I was on a swing shift system. I don't know if you had the same thing where I would go in, say I went in at four o'clock. I was there until somebody cut me, which meant I could go in at 4 p.m and not get off until the restaurant closed and wouldn't leave until 12. Or if we were having a really slow night, I could go in at four and be out at 8 p.m. And you know, the hours varied mm -hmm. a lot. I feel like my typical shifts were anywhere from like seven to probably like seven, eight hours, mm -hmm. maybe nine, sometimes longer if I was doing like a double or something like that. But you know, you think about it, you're there you know, for hours and hours and hours. And we have side work in addition to, you know, waitressing. Yeah. Um, so you're constantly doing something while yeah. you're there. Um, but then if you have a good tip night, it's great. If you have a bad tip night, you're like, wow, I was really there for eight hours and I made yeah. all of $40. Yeah, because I worked at a restaurant. That was my first job. I was 16. Mm -hmm. And... Um, they didn't tip out. I don't know if they tipped out bartenders. I actually don't know about that. But they didn't tip out hostesses or bus people. Um, and I was a bus person. And so I would be scheduled in for, like, ridiculously long shifts sometimes. Yeah. And I was 16, and I feel like a lot of the things that they were having me do were kind of questionable. Yeah. Because um, I was a minor. But, like, there'd be times I would have, like, a 12-hour shift, and I would get no breaks, no water, no food, and I worked oh in a restaurant. Um, and there would always be, like, one manager around. And, like, if they ever saw a moment that I was, like, you know, just, like, standing or something, they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, go and do something. Um, so they would always make me do busy work. Mm -hmm. Busy work that, like had nothing to do with being a bus person like yeah. it was like cleaning windows and vacuuming the floor and i'm like this is not in my paycheck but okay you're making me do it um yeah and like you said i was 16 i was a young girl and everyone around me was older mm -hmm. and i already felt kind of weird in my work environment a little bit and so if someone told me to do something, I was going to do it. Yeah. Like, I definitely felt like I had to, even though I wasn't getting tipped for anything. And I, like, worked my ass off in there because I had, like, this complex where I just wanted people to think that I was a good worker. Yeah. And, like, efficient and, like... And, again, wasn't really... What was I getting out of that? I don't know, like, 11-something. No, you uh, definitely do a lot more than what you get paid to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, like, we were working hard. And yet, like, we're not making that much money. Mm -hmm. So I I was doing what Kim told me to do. 
but I was not a millionaire after that summer. No. Jobs, I definitely feel like there's this pressure to always be hustling and you know, get in there and everybody's like, all right, let's make this bread, like let's go, let's make this money. Yeah. And you feel like, you know, you're like, I gotta get shifts, like I gotta get on the schedule, I gotta, you know, if somebody offers me an extra shift, I should take it. If somebody offers me a double, I should take it. Um, and we would have different sections that, you know, had the potential to make more money depending on, you know, where you were sitting in the restaurant. And so then it was like, oh, I want to work in this section. I want to work in that section. And so if you got the opportunity, you're like, I can't pass this up. Like I need, I need to work. Like this is, you know, I typically work over summer breaks. And so I was like, this is my time. I have to do it. And I feel like that same mentality, like has been a part of my life as a student. Me too. Um, you know, I would say since high school, you know, I feel like middle school is maybe when you first start to get the little, the little inkling of it, but high school is really when it kicks in and, you know, you have this whole thing of like, well, I'm taking this many APs and I'm in this many clubs and I only got three hours of sleep and then somebody else is like, you know, well, I do this, this and this and I only got this much sleep and this constant comparison of like, who's doing more Yeah. and this idea of like, you need to be doing more and yeah. you, you never feel, or at least like there's always this thing in the back of your head, like, am I doing enough? And, you know, especially as a high school student, all that I could think about at least was getting into college. That was my ultimate goal. Yeah. I never really considered any other options. Like that just wasn't something that I really had explored or even really thought about. Like to me, the only option that was really presented to me or the only option that seemed reasonable to me was that I needed to go to school. And the only way that I knew to do that was to do as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And it was a weird, it was a definitely a learning lesson of learning how to say no. And I feel like that's something that we talk about or that is starting to be talked about a lot more and like the power of saying no, because they're definitely like with my retail job or with waitressing, where you feel like you can't say no Mm -hmm. and you feel like you just have to keep adding more to your plate and it gets exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like our generation and millennials a little bit, uh, we have gotten to a point where we've realized that like this sort of hustle work culture that we live in is just really toxic and it's like exhausting and draining and so i feel like we're like we're starting to kind of wake up a little bit and we're starting to say no to things and i feel like when we like do say no or even if like someone says being like i don't dream of working i don't have a dream job people will be like what do you mean like you're lazy like Kim says, get your fucking ass up and work. And it's like, no, I'm I'm not lazy. But also, even if I am, what's wrong with that? I feel like we've been conditioned to think that laziness and lounging around is bad, yeah. literally, in the culture that we live in. Sleeping in, bad, because you're not being productive and doing something. Naps. Naps. We don't nap over no, here. No, no naps. <laughs> Uh, no, just like watching movies or like doing nothing like it's just perceived as bad because you're not doing anything. So when you say that like you don't really want to work for the rest of your life, people are like, you're lazy. Like you, you're just like a snowflake 
Gen Zer. Yeah. And like you're entitled to everything, and it's like, no, I don't. I I I don't feel like I'm that. I just, I know that I have to work. Like I'm going to have to, but I really wish we lived in a world where we didn't have to work, or at least work so hard in order to just like barely make ends meet for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, you know, or you know, if people do want to work, like. They have the option of doing it. You, you shouldn't have to work until you're like seventy. Like there are old, there are people that are like very old, and they're still working mm-hmm. because they can't afford to retire, and that's so sad. So then, like, you're like eighty, and then you get to retire. And no offense, but you know, like, what? How much can you do when you're eighty years old? Yeah, you can't necessarily do a lot of maybe the spontaneous exciting things you actually wanted to do in your life yeah and I mean that's the you know unfortunate but very real reality for so many people because we live in this capitalist society where we're trained to go to work that is your job you go to school and you go to work and that is what you do and I feel like I think at the bare minimum, what we're starting to see this conversation with, and we saw it with the mass resignation that's happened, you know, in this time of the pandemic, is that people are really trying to trying to reach for this idea of a work-life balance, where people just want to be more happy with their jobs. And obviously, the people who have been able to quit, I think we should acknowledge that there is a, a a level of privilege that comes with being able to quit your job that again a lot of people don't have that luxury of being able to quit and pivot or quit and take a break and rethink what they want to do with their lives um that's awesome for the people that can um but i do just want to point out like again that's not the reality for a lot of people um but i do think having this conversation around you know trying to rethink this hustle culture and trying to rethink what it means to be more balanced in your life is an important conversation to have. Um, I know that as an aspiring journalist, creative producer, you know, whatever, there's just somebody who wants to work in media in general. There's kind of this understanding that when you go into this, this field, you will want to say yes to everything. You Mm -hmm. will want to please your bosses, you're going to want to write all the stories, attend all the events, and, you know, do the grunt work that nobody else wants to do, and you Mm -hmm. have this understanding of, like, okay, I have to struggle, and I have to write all these stories, and I have to, you know, get paid not a lot of money to do it until I can prove myself, because, you know, as, you know, a writer, you're only as good as, like, your last story, you're only as good as your last idea. So you're mm-hmm. constantly reaching to have better stories, better ideas, so that you can build up a portfolio that shows people that you're capable of, you know, being hired for like a, a better job. Mm. Um, but as like a standard entry level person, I feel like I definitely have it in my head of like that's what I'm gonna have to do. And it was interesting because we were talking about it in one of our classes, and you know, even our professor acknowledged that there's this idea that, you know, we want people to go through the same struggles that we have. It's like, well, I had to do X, Y, and Z. How can they just come mm. in and, and just skip those things? Like, that's yeah. not fair. I had to do it. If I had to do it, so should you. 
And I fully understand, you know, that mentality. You know, I do it with like my little sister. I'm like, wait a second. I had to do this before I could go here or get this item. Mm -hmm. What do you mean mom and dad just like gave it to you? Like that makes no sense. In reality, it does make sense because things change. But I feel like we're still very much in that idea of you need to pay your dues. And obviously, I do think that there is like validity in that. I do think that that makes sense. But I think that in some industries in particular, this idea of paying your dues is actually really toxic and can involve a lot of hazing for some industries. Like, there's a lot more to it than just paying your dues. Because I believe in, like, you know, I get the idea of working hard to get to the next level. And, you know, you have to work your way, build your way through a company, gain everybody's trust and respect. Like, that to me makes sense. But some of the things that we're doing or some of the old ways of doing things, just, they're not conducive for a 21st century work environment. Like, they shouldn't still be happening. Like, this is not 1975. Like, it's 2022. Yeah. If things aren't changing, that is also a problem. Yeah, yeah. I think that it paying your dues can be an excuse that a lot of people make for just treating you really bad. Yeah. And it's like... No, you you can't treat me really poorly. You can't make me do this awful, awful, unethical thing just because I need to like earn my place here. Like that's not, it's not right. Yeah, like you hear about assistants and stuff having to pick up people's kids and walk their dogs, and that's not their job. I don't mm-hmm. mean personal assistants. I mean, um, I've. You know, one of the editors that I look up to so much, um, Lindsay Peoples-Wagner, who's the editor-in-chief of The Cut with New York Magazine, you know, she talks about some of her early days in, like, the Teen Vogue fashion closet. And, you know, she did have to go pick up people's kids and walk people's dogs and go get bosses McDonald's. And, like, some of those things are just not... They weren't part of her job. Mm-hmm. But you do them and you feel like you need to do them because you need... your all you want to do is show the people who work there how much you want to work there too. Mm-hmm. And so I remember watching that video where she explained, you know, that side of her of her career journey. And I honestly was like, okay, if I'm going to have to walk people's dogs and get, uh, like, people McDonald's or their coffee, like, it gave me such The Devil Wears Prada vibes. Yeah. I love that movie. Um But I did. I felt like I was going to have to be Andy. I felt like if I was going to go into the media industry, that's what I was going to have to do. And I do think that that's changing a lot. I don't think the magazine industry is necessarily like that anymore. Um, But I definitely had it in my head of like, that's what I need to be prepared for. And again, Mm -hmm. The Devil Wears Prada is a a movie. (laughs) It is an adaptation. It's a creative piece of work. It's not meant to be taken seriously. But... You know, I think there were some truths to that Mm. narrative, even if they weren't to the extreme that they were portrayed in in the movie. And so on a lesser scale, I was like, okay, these are things that I'll have to be ready for. Yeah. And like, yeah, even though it's a movie, I, I definitely, there are a lot of movies like that that came out in the early 2000s, like 13 going on 30, how to lose a guy in 10 days and like sex in the city even Mm -hmm. that all portrayed similar lifestyles and even though you saw these people like being in like 
somewhat bad working conditions, you still watch those things and like how you felt, like you were like, wow, this this is still really cool though. Like I want to do it. I want to be like Jennifer Gardner in 13 going on 30. Like I can be Andy Sachs. Yeah. I could totally do that job. Yeah. Like it totally glamorizes that lifestyle. Yeah. But then when you actually experience it, it's like, no, it's, it's not, There's it's nothing. not as great as it seems. No, it doesn't show the pressures of like needing to, f- wanting, it doesn't show the pressures of feeling like you need to fit into your work environment and afford like nice clothes and working extra jobs. And, you know, because, you know, those positions, at least in the early 2000s, from what I have learned in my classes and just read about, they were not paying well and I honestly don't know what they're paying these days but you know you did have to work two three jobs and be doing all of these things just to stay afloat and so as glamorous as it might be to say like oh I work for this magazine in reality it's yeah I think we're really that's the question that I think a lot of people are starting to ask themselves it's like okay I might have this great career I might be in a really good position but at what cost you know what am I sacrificing in terms of my personal life in terms of my family my relationships my personal free time to explore the things that I like to do and I think that if we can get to a point where we do really start to value that question more. I my hope is that things will start to change, but yeah, yeah. I think that in a weird way, so many people feel like how hard they work or what they do for their work determines whether or not they are like a good person or a bad person. Yeah, and I just. I think it's really sad that our worth, our work determines our worth as human beings. And so that's why I feel a bit better seeing people in our generation deciding to to realize that like work is not the center of who we are as people. Like there is more to us as human beings and so we're trying to explore that and figure out who we are outside of a culture that prioritizes work all of the time and I think that that can be really difficult for a lot of people. I know that's difficult for me to think of like who am I when I am not working or not thinking about my dream job and what I'm going to do for the rest of my life that can be like a scary question for some people but i think it's nice to see people focusing on trying to genuinely explore themselves and figure themselves out outside of capitalism which is very difficult to do yeah i mean i struggle with you know, a lot of the same things that you said. And I think a big part of that struggle lies in comparison. And I know that it's awful and I shouldn't be comparing myself to other people, but I do have a hard time not doing it. I, LinkedIn sometimes can be the most stress-inducing website to me Mm -hmm. because I go on, you know, I want to, you know, update my profile or add somebody to my network. And all I see is people doing these amazing things and getting these internships and these jobs or starting new positions. And it stresses me out. And I I feel 
and not just with LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is a good example in terms of like professional activities, but any sort of social media, I think it's, I do have a hard time reminding myself that I shouldn't be comparing, you know, my activities, my, yeah. my work to other people's work, but it's really hard not to. And yeah. I just, I do, I go back and forth with feeling like I'm not doing enough. And then I go and into these modes where I'm like, no, like I am doing enough. I'm working really hard. Yeah. Doing what I'm supposed to be doing at this moment. And then yeah. I freak myself out and go like, I'm not doing enough. Everybody else is doing so much more than me. I'm not, I'm just not yeah. doing what yeah. I need to be doing. Like, why am I sitting here watching a movie? Other people have, you know, other people are writing articles right now. Yeah. You haven't written an article. Why haven't you written an article? Yeah. yeah. No, it's, I, it's interesting because I, yeah, I also feel like I'm not doing enough but I look at someone like you, and I feel like you're doing so much more than I am. And yet, like, you still feel like you're not doing enough. So it's important to remember that, like, everyone is going through their own, like, internal struggles and yeah. internal problems with comparison. I feel like the pandemic happening during my college experience really kind of put a hindrance on what I was able to do mm -hmm. in college, what I was able to be involved in. And it also just, it, for me, cut off a lot of my social interaction and definitely caused me to um, turn much more inwards than I had been before. I'm already a pretty like introverted person, but the pandemic like amplified that for me. And so I feel like I have spent a lot of my college experience, um, focusing on myself, uh, specifically trying to prioritize like my mental health mm -hmm. because, you know, you have to acknowledge that like, if, mentally and emotionally you're not at you know the absolute best then you may not be able to perform the best you can in work in relationships and school all of those different you know uh social institutions i guess um but because i chose to think about myself and prioritize myself i feel like I am behind because I chose to put myself first over like thinking about what I'm going to do after I graduate, thinking about my dream job and all of those things. And I don't I don't really think that that's fair because like for me I don't see prioritizing myself as something that I can like compromise on like I need to do it mm -hmm. I need to be thinking about my mental health that's not something that I can personally sacrifice mm -hmm. and so it it just sucks that it's like I feel like in a way I've been like oddly like reprimanded or there are now obstacles in my way because it's like, oh, well, you chose to be thinking about mental health and like figuring yourself out instead of like applying for internships yeah. and thinking about post-grad life and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, 
That's not fair. No, it's not. I think remembering that everybody has a different timeline and that everybody's path mm-hmm. to success is going to look so different. You know, obviously it's e- way easier said than done. And as I've already said, I still struggle with comparison, but always trying to remember that, you know, there's always going to be somebody who you think is doing more and is doing something mm-hmm. better. So I think all of us are just going to, we just have to keep doing the best that we can to be, to try to be content with where we are now and know that like, yes, we can have goals and strive to do better in the future, but not to beat ourselves up too much while we're in the present because, you know, that's not going to help you succeed in the long run. Yeah, I think it's, it's important to remember to go easy on yourself and be kind to yourself because it's really, uh, it's really easy to just be your own, like harshest critic. Yeah. Um, when you're comparing yourself to other people, this is advice that we both need to listen to. Yeah, we, we should be taking our own advice for um, sure. But I think, yeah, that's something that's really important to think about, and hopefully, like. A lot of us are understanding that, like, hustle culture isn't the most sustainable uh, way of living. And hopefully we all, like, find a way between that work-life balance. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously none of us have all the answers right now. But I think, you know, if we continue to have these conversations and just try to think differently about work-life balance and just being fulfilled in life, um, you know, We'll make some progress eventually. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for listening to this episode of Not a Girl Boss. You can find yes. us on Instagram at Not a Girl Boss Pod and on TikTok at Not a Girl Boss underscore underscore. We hope to start posting content on there soon, so keep your eye out. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank you. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.